Hey, ladies and gents, welcome back to the Pop Culture Podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great week. Today I'll catch up with a, a good mate of mine by the name of Billy Styles. For those of you in the comedy world, you know who he is. He's a he's one of Australia's top comedians. This guy's he's reached some fine form over the last 12 months. And if you're from Melbourne, you're into the comedy scene, you'll know that once you're any good, you're a regular at the Comics Lounge, which is where this guy regularly gets up and he's just, he's a blast to watch. I went and watched him last week and he's just, he's, what do you, he's that down to earth, just really basic observations, really silly jokes. And I, I absolutely love it. You get a taste for it in this podcast. He's a very easy guy to talk to. He's a very friendly, very open, very curious guy. And just like me, he's passionate about sports. So we've got plenty to talk about. Whenever there's a comedian who's excited about distance running, you're going to have my attention. And this guy, this guy is. Uh, we talk about we talk about little struggles with OCD. We talk about perfection. We talk about creative side of comedy. We're honestly we talk about so much. I'm not going to try and give you an overview here. If you haven't heard of Billy yet, make sure you go and check him out. Uh, find out when he's on at the Comics Lounge. Give him a follow on on social media. Um, hey, do yourself a favor. Organize a night out around Billy Styles. But for now. Let me introduce to you straight from his office, which is also referred to as a car, the great man, Billy Styles. So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual, zero, nothing. I, I'm OCD about everything, but like it's too much for me to deal with a lot of the time. Like so I just do everything imperfectly because if I try and do it perfect, I'll never get it done. Yeah, That's why I leave I, things messy a lot. Because I'm like, if I start cleaning, if I there'll be one bit of dust that's annoying me for the whole day, you know? It's so true, man. Uh, have you ever heard of Casey Neistat? Nah, who's that? He's like a, um, he's like a YouTube vlogger. And in yeah. 2015, he was like, all right, I'm going to do a vlog every day for 2015 and just see how we go. He's got, dude, he's got like... 10 million people follow his channel now, but he said the same thing. He's like, one of the big problems that, that I have, well, this is him speaking. One of the big problems that I have is I'll start something and I won't release it until it's a hundred percent. And then as yeah. a result, as a result, it's like nothing ever gets released. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm the same man. Like if I get a comedy video, people have a go at me because I like, you didn't edit your video properly. I'm like, that's because, I couldn't deal with all the imperfections of it. So I just put it out as it was like, it's yeah, I have that thing. So it never, I'll ne if I worried about things being perfect, nothing would ever get done. And that's been a problem of mine because I give up on things because they can't be perfect. It's fine. It's so yeah. true. My father-in-law is like that. You go to his house and you go into his shed and it, he just looks like the biggest hoarder. It's um, it's crazy how much stuff is there, but then you talk mm. to him and you have a bit of a chat about why he's not getting rid of anything. And he's got this massive grand plan about how everything's going to be sectioned off and packed away and all ordered. And he's been, so I've been with Jesse now for like 14 years and he's been saying it since before I was a part of the picture <laughs> and he's still got the broken ax handles in there, which, which aren't being uh, yes. improved. Oh, definitely. He's full blown OCD. I reckon it's definitely a, oh, well, um, yeah. Hoarding's a weird thing. I feel sorry for people when I see hoarders, their houses and stuff. I'm like, they don't mean, they, you know, they would chuck it out if they could, but they th they actually think they're going to need it one day or they're going to use it or they're, something in their brain's like they're sentimental or whatever. I get it. I totally get it. And I'm, I'm glad I haven't got that condition because it would drive me crazy. 
Yeah, seriously. I was mm-hmm. uh, having a little clean up here the other day and my uncle who passed away back in 2017, he had this, um, I wish I could show you, it's downstairs though. He had this painting and it was like a take on the old, remember Jimmy Dean? And there was this old painting of him like behind a bar serving drinks. And it was just a, it was like, I don't know if I'm explaining it well, but it was like a famous painting or famous photo back in the day. Anyway, he was mm-hmm. sort of taking the piss with it. He got a, a painting with him behind the bar and like, um, Mick Gatto and Alphonse Gangitano and a couple of the Melbourne gangsters all around the bar, him serve, and he got he got Gatto to sign it. And dude, yeah. it's been in my side drawer ever since he passed away. And I, I was having a clean up the other day and I had one of those moments where I was like, ah, oh, I get hoarding. Because that was one thing I've got so much sentimentality tied to mm. it. I was like, I can't, it's been in the drawer. No one's seen it for five years, but I can't throw it out because because I love yeah. Uncle Phil. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, take man. much. It's like um, the one thing I have that with, that I can't chuck my junior sporting trophies out. It's like, I know no one's ever going to see them and they're broken. Half of them have got no tennis rackets on them or, you know what I mean? Like the cricket bat's been snapped off, but I cannot bring myself to ever turf them. <laughs> is, it, is it only that? Like, is it only that you're a bit OCD with? Like getting someone to, um, uh, uh, sorry, just getting the quality product out there or is it other things as well? Uh, I think every, in a way, I think I've, I mean, I'm not diagnosed OCD, but like when I was a kid, I used to snap the, um, so when I'd go to bed, we had these wind up windows and um, I used to snap the snap the handle off it by trying to get the window shut tighter. I'm like, it's not tight enough. And I'd just snap it off. I'd, I'd turn it so tight. So our windows in mum's house can't be opened anymore because of me. <laughs> and, and um and also i would not watch tv if anything was in my vision it didn't matter if it was it wasn't blocking the screen but if it was on the floor in front of the tv i couldn't i'd say we're not we can we'd have to move everything that's on the carpet in front of it Dude, i'm laughing but i know how frustrating it is because i'm not just saying this to make you feel good i was I think I told you at the comics lounge the other day. I was I was a shocker as a young guy. Mm. I was laughing with my mum the other day because um, I was telling her about this joke that I'm I'm sort of trying to figure out at the moment where I was talking about how I I spent three hours one night when I was fourteen trying to straighten like a National Geographic magazine on our coffee table, mm. and then I I opened it up to an article once it was straight, and the article was about how the world spins at a twenty three degree angle. It's a bit crooked. I thought, fuck, this is this is too much. Like I've just got the I've just got the magazine straight. And now now I've found out the whole world's still a bit tilted. It was it's like the yeah. worst news to an OCD. But dude, Have my you? um my so, my bed yeah. was another one as well. I couldn't go to bed unless like the the head of the bed was pushed up against the wall and the side of it was completely parallel. I don't know what yeah, got me yeah. out of it, but I was my mum woke up when I was about third or probably twelve. He said, stop, stop banging the fucking doors. Stop banging the wall. But I couldn't go to bed till it was straight. Oh, yeah, mate, 100%. Like, I needed the right amount of light coming into my room. <laughs> Everything had to be a certain way. And it's been hard for people living in my life, like, I have to admit. It would be because you still carry it with you in a lot of ways. And you don't even realise it's just like, I'm weird and, like, I'm sorry, but like I don't even know I'm doing it half the time, you know. 
There's mm. so many forms of it as well. OCD is a weird one because it's such a big umbrella of like some of it. You, you have conversations with people and they go, yeah, I'm so OCD. But then yeah. you talk to someone who's legitimately OCD and you're like, oh, no, you just like a tidy house. Like yeah. OCD well, yeah, weird thing. Yeah. I had a girlfriend that used to vacuum at 7.47 every night. And it used to drive me insane, man. But if it wasn't done, her mood would drive me insane, you know? Oh, so yeah, it was definitely so, that thing. What was um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's a worry. It's it, it, so you had it. Did you have it for athletics and that? With like, did you have to do certain things before a race to make Not sure so you much. felt like? No, I felt like I kind of um, I had routines and rituals with running, where I was, mm. but it wasn't OCD. It was just you know when you find something and it just works, so like a, a little pre-race mm. routine. So my thing was. Sort of probably looks OCD from the outside. I'd go out and I'd do like a fifteen minute run, fifteen minute jog about an hour before my race. Stop, yeah. stretch, switch my shoes, go for a few strides. <clears throat> so it was really mm. routine, but it wasn't. I always felt like any OCD stuff was surrounded with a heap of stress. That's like unless yeah. I nail this, I'm not going to be able to rest. I'm not going to be able to relax. I'm not going to be able to sleep or whatever else. Whereas with yeah. running, it was like I always felt like it was beneficial to what I was trying to do. I would go through it. And I'm like, ah, oh, good. I'm getting closer to. Mm. To, to the goal or the actual plan. But OCD, man, like I reckon in distance running, or probably elite sport in general, I feel like it's such a prominent feature. Like whether you're talking to a golfer or like a tennis player or especially yeah, runners, well, there's so many OCDs in the running world. Oh, well, and tennis. If you look at tennis, it's all routine. And there's a player called Richard Gasquet, and, he, and I never knew. But then once I found out I couldn't stop looking at it, he taps inside each square before every point. Like where he, so if you know a tennis court, there's the tram lines, they call them, up the side, yeah. the doubles lines. He taps in there, but then he taps in the singles, and then he taps behind the baseline with his racket. And he has to do it every point. And it drives, when, I can't watch him anymore because I'm like, I'm focusing on that now. Well, regardless of whether he's serving or whether he's receiving, that's what he has to do. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's serving routine, but he's, he's returning one. He's definitely tap, tap, tap. And sometimes when you've got a big server, you're way back. So he has to walk up and do it and then go back. And I'm like, I can't watch this. Just play. <laughs> well, it stresses you out. Yeah. That, it gives me OCD. I want to grab his racket and say, stop, man. It's not helping your game at all. But you think it is. Yeah. How do you go with Nadal? Because he's got a few little quirks as well. Yeah, same thing. His drink bottles. <laughs> if he's, have you seen him set up his drink bottles? Man, a ball boy knocked one over and Nadal went off one day at, it, at the kid. <laughs> but we're just weird. Humans are just weirdos, I guess. Especially that pointy end of, end of the spectrum because you look at Nadal as a kid and he's your hero and you wouldn't think that such a small small thing would take you off. It's weird with, with sport though. I always felt like I was really touchy when I was in a competitive mode. When I, was, I wasn't OCD, but my, my mm. wife used to always say to me, she'd be like, dude, an hour or two before your race, I just, I just kind of went cold, and I felt like even still, like, dude, I was doing a, um, I went out for a tempo run or like a threshold run this morning, and I wasn't going like crazy pace or whatever, but just with about a k to go, this this older lady sort of half got in my way, and it was, it's so funny to say it, like, but it's such a conscious effort not just to snap because you're already feeling rubbish, you're already working hard, mm. and then when someone mm. cramps your style. I kind of get the Nadal snap, but as like a ball boy, you feel sorry for him, hey? Because you just 
look at them like they they've got all their shit together and um, they're going to be nothing yeah. but encouraging. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's hard to watch. Like, yeah, uh, and well, it works for Nadal, doesn't it? I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, true. can't knock him. You have to. Have you some, t- yeah, yeah. You were telling me about some some golfer the other day who was um doing what I was just telling you. And he'd spent like all night trying to straighten a piece of paper. Yeah, Scott Draper. Well, he was a tennis player. That's how I know him. He's about my age, and and um, um, he he uh had OCD so bad that, yeah, he was trying to do like what you were doing up all night, straightening a bit of paper on his desk to make it perfectly cornered. But he had like a major event the next day and he still couldn't, he had to do that. That was more important than getting sleep, you know, and he won. He ended up winning. So, (laughs) man, yeah, there's an Australian story episode about him. Scott Draper, yeah. So, but he had, but it was that, in a way, I think it's that OCD that makes, like, was what made him good at tennis and golf, I suppose. Because you've got to have obsession. You've got to be obsessed. Damn. Yeah, so he played both sports at, like, an elite level. Elite. Yeah, elite. Like, yeah, he made it in both. But, you know, not, not super high, but, like, enough to make a living. Yeah, man. Did you watch The Last Dance? Yeah. I did have a look at it, yeah. yeah that Jordan. Jordan one? Yeah. yeah. I think it was during Same lockdown. Thing. It was a couple of years ago. But, man, it's – yeah, uh, honestly, you could go to any sport and look at the the top of the top. Comedy is probably mm. no different, I reckon. Like, there's a lot of – um, there's a lot of little funny quirks. I find there's a lot of correlations between distance running, my experience there, and just the world of stand-up comedy in, in the way that some people go about it. Like, you've been in it <clears throat> longer than I have. But one of the things that I notice is uh, it's probably a bit different to the running world is – You've got like two ends of the spectrum. You've got like your your alcoholic kind of drug addicts, kind of like a <laughs> little bit of little bit of chaos everywhere who are attracted mm. to the comedy scene, and then you've got people who are, you know, from the sporting world and disciplined. And but it's weird how it's weird how both can kind of work. I always just thought I'm from both. Thought, oh, but, yeah. but 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 like I was an I was an alcoholic sports person, <laughs> so I'm both ends. <laughs> It's, how does that work with you with comedy like with what you were saying before about um you know just getting so caught up that it's hard to release anything how do you go with releasing new jokes and stuff like that do you find that hard uh yeah it's hard to spit it out you just i just force myself to have a crack at a new thing um but, but i'm so obsessive that i usually have a fair idea in my head how it's going to go sort of i'm like I feel like I'm not guessing as much as a lot of people when I'm doing new material. I've got a fair idea. Yeah, and before I go to the stage with it. So well, um, so you're sort of imagining what the audience response will probably be at certain parts throughout your writing process, are you? Oh, I just think I, I think that's funny. So it, it kind of should be. Like, should be. If I think too much about jokes, they... They never work, so I don't think too much. I'll, I'll just go, oh, yeah, that's there. Usually they come to me and I'm like, yeah, that's that's on. That that one's on. I get, I feel it. I feel it when it's a joke straight away. Without, I don't write. Like, I don't write jokes. I haven't written a joke. Ever? No. So how do you remember them all? Do you, do you, like, write them down in your notes in your phone? Like, have you got a word that reminds you? Yeah, of like, I'll write, you... this ha- I'll write this as funny. 
like the recent joke I wrote was about getting hacked. I was on Optus and I just wrote, because everyone was worried about being hacked because someone will steal their identity. And I just wrote, they can have my identity. <laughs> so the joke was just so whatever I say around that, that that's the joke so I just got to work out why having my identity is good or bad and say that that's you so know good. are so they going to pay my fines they can have the whole thing they can have my relationship if they want and that just so that came <laughs> break up with my girlfriend or whatever you know do that oh, have the dude. whole thing pay my pay my e-tag can you <laughs> Like everyone's everyone's approaching that situation like they're a multi-millionaire with secret mm. documents and like a mistress on the side. Mm. Yeah. Oh man. So I think the punchline was they'll find out that I owe Blockbuster video $76 from 1998. <laughs> <laughs> Hack me if you can, you know. That's good. So what are you like was that just a, a news story you heard, or were you genuinely uh part of Optus and you got hacked? I am with Optus. No, I am. Yeah. And, and I got an email from him and I'm like, um, all right, okay, so what are you going to do? You can't really take anything because I don't have anything. <laughs> so you're in a worse position than me being, you're being me. You can be me. And I'll like, that's fine. Have a go at it. See if you can do a good job because I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there awesome. you go being me, hackers. Oh, are you um are you doing comedy full time now? What's the story? Because I know you you're in your van or your car, are you? So I, I know you used to drive mm. around a fair bit doing deliveries or whatever it was. But then I was speaking to our mate Shane the other day, and he was like, "No, he's he's full blown comedian now." Yeah, I do. Yeah, full time, pretty much. When the when it's good, like, and then but occasionally, yeah. The only work I do that's not comedy now is if I if there's no comedy like not much and I'll go out and do some deliveries, door dashing and like, like Uber Eats type stuff, but I haven't had to do it for a while. I, yeah. I quit my job full time. It must've been back in August or something. Truck drive. Yeah. So you were on the road. You, you were sort of always on the road there, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And that, yeah, man. And that suited comedy for me. Um, Cause you can work on stuff when you're driving, you know? Like you yeah. can just go through it in your head what you're gonna say or whatever. So have you gone from um have you have you found that transition from full time work in the van to just sort of have an all day to yourself? It's a weird transition for some people. Hey? In a way I didn't it took a while to adjust to but then I like I was like I felt lazy because you're not right because you think I should be writing fifty new jokes a day or thinking of two, fifty new jokes a day, you know. But you're not. A lot of the time you just think you shouldn't be you're not good enough because you're like today passed and I didn't have, I tried to think about stuff and didn't have one idea. So then I went back to work for a little bit, like did the deliveries. And as soon as I did that, some jokes came. So sometimes being free and having a hundred percent focus on one thing, probably not that healthy. Yeah. It's weird mm. how that happens, isn't it? I always, I'm still trying to figure this out a bit because sometimes I'll sit down with a notepad and a book and I, I mm. think like the discipline side of me likes to go, okay, Tice, you wrote for 30 minutes today, good boy. But mm. then sometimes I'll sit down and write for 30 minutes and I'll read it back. I was like, there's nothing there that's ever going to be funny. Like that's not. And then some days, like you say, I'll be, out, I'll be out going for a run and I'll see something 
or you know, I get the equivalent of an Optus message. You go, oh, actually, that's the that's get awesome. That's very. Yeah, I reckon. Funny. I reckon when you're ready, if you can relax and that, your brain will send you. The analogy I use is like your sub. I think your subconscious brain is a lot. I mean, it's got it's a lot more intelligent than your conscious one. So there's people working in the factory up the back, full time, in my head. So I just go. Can I have a joke, please, guys? Get on it. Get on the case because that's what you're paid for. <laughs> so, and then, uh, and then they, and then, but they don't spit it out while you're thinking about it. It's like as soon as you can switch it off, you switch it off, and then they'll send it to you. The blokes up the back of the factory. If you're always thinking about it, you kind of yeah you let let the mag- let them do the magic. It's frustrating because you've got to wait, but like trying too hard sometimes, nothing's funny, you know? Yeah, man. That's, I, have... I don't know how, there'd be an artist that can say it better, but I, I know that there's some, there's back here, someone's working on jokes for me right now. Yeah, that's such a good way to look at it as well, because it takes any pressure for you to have to make a certain amount of jokes each day like it just it removes that bob dylan bob dylan said it real good man in his um i don't know if you've read his book um chronicles jesse bought this did for he, me a few years ago did, did he and say I, the answer is blowing in the wind <laughs> yeah that's what he said, <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> is he, no he didn't did he? i mean he's got a song I mean, he did say that as well, but he um, no, he was talking about how – I wish I could read it to you, but he talks about how he would write a song, and he's like, whenever – a lot of the time when he writes a song, it's not ready. He goes, sometimes mm-hmm. it is, but sometimes he's got a couple of songs and he thinks they're actually both going to be one. So he goes, I'll, I'll put two pieces of paper in a drawer together and just let them talk to each other for a couple of months. And I was like, oh, what a, what a cool way to put it. Like, Because mm-hmm. I'm that kind of – that OCD part of me goes, no, this has to be finished by 4 p.m. Because yeah. I just want to get it done. And then I'll go down there and say some just bullshit joke that's not funny. Whereas yeah. it's true. Sometimes it's given a bit of room to breathe is uh is the way to go. Do you find that easy? Like once you say, all right, little blokes at the back of my head, you're mm. you're on it now. Do you find it easy to switch off from it? Or do you still have to sort of be pretty conscious about it? I I've still got to turn up and be in the office. You know what I mean? Like just in case. So I'll be in the office trying to do the work, but there's more of them back there. I think like, I, yeah, I, I, I have to let, I have to let set my intention to them. I have to make the order and the order is me probably sitting there with a bit of paper going, is this what's funny? And they hear the question. <laughs> I sound crazy, man, but I am crazy. Like artists, I'm not, not, you know, I'm not really an artist. I, well, I guess I am, but we we think different and we have to. Otherwise, we're just accountants. Yeah, it's so true. You know? Otherwise, I'm just managing Hungry Jacks or doing something that I've tried to do that just doesn't. So I guess we've got to think differently, man. I don't know. Yeah, it's so it's hard. I haven't... It's what's it? What's attractive yeah. about artists, though, I reckon. I like uh, – that's why I like Bob Dylan because he's such a weirdo. Like, you'll start talking. I go, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm not even convinced you know. But every everything you say – like, he says everything with such an air of mysticism. I'm like, there's got to be something there that I'm the dumb one and he's just operating on another level. And I feel like 
the the music industry is or like the the what do you call it the artist industry is just filled with people like that sort of runs shoulder to shoulder doesn't it like look at kanye he's he's right up there and mm. i mean he's a he's a wild man himself yeah that's why yeah they sorry that i'm just going to shut my window um hey, here I am. there's birds chirping i don't know if you can hear them um, don't wind it up too hard yeah no. <laughs> no, it's automatic. It's not the car's not that old. Um, yeah, I think we're always asking questions about life and have done for a long time. That's why I always take artists pretty seriously if they have an opinion on something because they think on so many different angles to like a normal person. So I don't, yeah, they look crazy to some people, but cray sometimes intelligent looks crazy. Yeah, so who, which artists do you like going to? Are there any in particular? Oh, no, I'm not. No, I don't. I'm not an art. I'm not an into art or anything, but like I'm into like people that are uh, like, I seem to get on better with people that think like deeper a bit. Yeah. Then someone that, I don't know. I just, yeah, I like people that feel heaps. That's who I, I'm driven to people that, I'm, I'm drawn to people that are feel like, heavy emotional but sometimes that's not healthy either you got to be able to not be sad and <laughs> and too happy you know what i mean like some people it's in a way where i'm too emotional in a lot of ways that's funny man it's funny for people who um who don't really know you as well because i reckon you see you on stage and you got that dry sort of humor where it's a bit it's just it's silly mm. it's just silly jokes and then so are you more natural in a conversation where it's uh, like you go straight to the big issues, straight to the deep stuff, or are you, yeah. are you comfortable with banter and stuff? I'm comfortable with everything, but, like, I don't think it's weird to ask someone if they've, I don't know, like, I'll, you know the stuff they say blokes should be doing to each with each other? I've been doing that forever, asking, <laughs> asking how you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, are you... Like I'd probably get too personal too quick sometimes, but the people that don't care, they're the ones I like. You know? Yeah. What, so you won't they're the ones I'm going to be mates with. I'm like, that dude's honest. He didn't pretend he was happy when he wasn't. Yeah. Just say you're sad, mate. I don't care. I'm sad. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> I might be that day. We'll be sad together, man. Yeah. Or, and we'll, go, we'll work out what we're going to do about that sadness. Are we going to drink a slab or go for a 10K run? Either's good. <laughs> Have you got a preference? Oh, it used to be the slab. But then I'd do both some days because I felt guilty. I'd run 10K, then drink a slab. <laughs> you got to stay hydrated. But I used to call it balance. Yeah, you know, funny. But, it's funny. man, we, we, I remember when we started chatting, it was about um, once I found out you're a runner, I'm like, oh, sweet. I'll get on with him. Like he, Steve, if you didn't, you knew who Pre, Steve Prefontaine was. And that was like, that's, that's enough. <laughs> that's so funny, man. Dude, I was actually watching this just before I was watching this. Um, I might go a little on the screen here for a second. Where is it? Um, I'll share the screen with you. Um, I was watching this just before, before I came on, like a little Prefontaine interview. I was like, oh, what do people like so much about it? But uh, can, tell me if you can hear this. That's what they're putting mm. in that. Can you hear that at all? Or, oh, right yeah. 
took yeah. hold of the whole crowd yeah. here, and you're obviously pretty pleased about it. Very pleased. Very pleased. Was it a tactical plan to go out from the front? Well, I think everybody knew my plan. Uh, for me to win a race against competition of, of that nature, I have to go out hard and, and just about lead from the start because uh, the runners in that field, except for Jim Johnson, are all runners that hang on and then I'll kick you at the last. So I, my tactics was just to go strong and, and run the first three quarters of a mile hard and then just hang on the last quarter. Well, didn't... Dude, he's, just a, he's such a boss. We like that kind of attitude. He's just the kind of guy that's like, um, I, I just, I think I respect that kind of attitude. Someone who's just willing to, he just sort of puts his balls on the line a little bit. And uh, I watch little things like that just before my day gets started as well. Just to, just yeah. to give me a little bit of a pep up. But it was so random when you told me you knew Prefontaine that first time. I was like, hang on a second. I didn't know anyone in the world of comedy knew who this bloke was. Mm. Oh, yeah, man. I I spent a whole week taking in everything about that dude once I, once I, I learned about him. I can't remember how I came across him. Maybe the movie was on or I don't know. I don't know how I discovered it. But once I... I took in everything and I got to the stage where I couldn't find any more information about him. I knew everything. And um, I don't know why. I just like free spirits and he was one. I, I'm always like into people that are different and he was like for a runner. Cause like he says in that interview, he's like, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to sit on someone's shoulder until a hundred meters left and go, they've done all the work. I'm just going to take their work off them. He goes, I'm going to win it from the start. If I'm not good enough to hang on, then bad luck. Yeah. And most of the time, he was good enough, except for that Olympic final. So crazy. Which, and you forget, he was 21 there. Like, he was, still a, he was still a kid. That's way too young to be winning gold at the Olympics in that event, isn't it? Pretty yeah, much. Not, Maybe not I, now, but... Yeah. It's weird. With the Kenyans, especially, like, back in the early 2000s, there was... Fair bit of speculation because Ali Kipchoge he won that that event at the World Champs in two thousand and three as a seventeen year old kid and at the time I was a bit skeptical I was like as if this kid's as if this kid's actually seventeen but then mm. now the fact he's still breaking marathon world records twenty years later you're like oh he probably was but like <clears throat> especially for Western athletes for whatever reason there's there's exceptions you know Jacob Ingebrigtsen. I know that name, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like he's Norwegian fifteen hundred meter runner. I think he he won. Well, he definitely won the Tokyo Olympics fifteen. Mm. I think he was nineteen or twenty. But the longer mm. the longer ones for sure, you don't see it that much. So yeah, it would have been crazy. It would have been amazing to sort of watch what happened with Pre if he wasn't killed. Like I think he was. I think he was killed at twenty four. Like he was a kid. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Like a year before the Olympics was going to come around again. I think. Um, yeah. When was he? Uh, to me. I think he died in 74 or 75, maybe. Yeah. So the Olympics he went to was 72. So I imagine he died in 74 or 75, yeah. And um, the way he ran that race in 72, there's no reason why he wouldn't have won it the next time. Man, because he would have adjusted and been older. Um, Man, I still think about what would have happened a lot in that. I think, yeah, I get so obsessed with things. My first run is, runners that I was into, and I was, I'm not, like, super into it. My best mate, one of my best mates at high school was in the state running teams and that, so I used to, he'd tell me about people and that. But then um, the first ones I was into, I used to watch it late at night, was Sebastian Coe 
and Steve Cram and Steve Ovet, those three, but mainly Sebastian, a lot, but out of those, I liked Sebastian Coe because he had personality, you know? Yeah. It's funny. He used to turn, is... He'd turn, he'd turn and look at his opponent as he's running past him and just like sort of say, say see you later. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what I like about Ingebrigtsen, that guy I mentioned to you at the, at the world champs. What year is it now? 2022. Was it world champs this year? I've lost yeah, I think it was. Yeah, world mm. champs this year. He he just got beaten in the fifteen hundred, <clears throat> and then he went into the five k, and dude, with like seven laps to go, he was on the back straight, and he was like, he's doing this to the crowd, like, come on, like, raise your voice, go, seven. and it's just it's yeah. crazy to see, man. And then he's the kind of guy that with a hundred meters to go, he's sitting in fourth, and he starts celebrating because he just he's like, I'm gonna win. You know. it, it's just weird. Like, there's no. Yeah. That's what I like about UFC. And that's what I liked about Donald Trump a little bit. It's like mm. they're just smart asses. I like I don't necessarily mm. have to like the people, but just yeah. watching the just watching the attitude that some people bring to a sport is like, oh, how can you look away? Like Conor McGregor, yeah, like, I don't um, really yeah, I don't care mm. that much about UFC, but he comes on the screen and like actually I'm pretty interested. Yeah, like Nick Kyrgios in tennis, like he's everyone goes, Oh, everyone bags Nick Kyrgios, but like how boring would it be without him? You know? Mm. Like you need people like that. McEnroe was in tennis and everyone hated him at the time. But then when they're 35 and they're about to retire, everyone's like, oh, it's going to be sad to see you go, mate. <laughs> That's what it always felt like with Leighton Hewitt. I felt like when he was playing, everyone hated him. I did. And then yeah. now he's like a respected voice in the tennis world. It's funny. I guess it's weird growing up in the public eye as well because especially for tennis players, you might come in if you're good at 18 or 19 and I'm 35 mm. and, and still say so much, like, so much bullshit. So I can't imagine what it's like. Like, if you would have recorded any of my conversations at the age of 18 and played them back to me, I probably would have thought I was a flog too. Lots of times I still think I'm a flog, do you know? So uh, I always say I'm glad I didn't start comedy young because I would have got kicked out of it. Like, I was too, my attitude would have been too much, like, I had to learn lessons about dealing with people before I, man, I would have made enemies in comedy at 25. Cause what do you mean? Was, like, what were you doing? I would have had just, I deserve attitude, kind of entitled, I'm better than that person. Because you have to learn in life that sometimes, even though you're better than someone, they, they're better at certain other things. And I just would have, I don't think I would have kept my mouth shut enough to, stay in it yeah what you reckon you would have been banned from too many rooms and yeah 100 <laughs> dude it's fine uh, I... I was drinking so i would have said stuff yeah for sure i would have man especially if the internet was around i would have fired off text messages at <laughs> two in the morning to people <laughs> oh dude yeah it's funny i got involved in comedy because I always thought it was just a place where you could come and, and you could just say whatever you want at whatever room and no one mm. cared. And then when I got involved in it, I was I was shocked, especially here in Melbourne, man. Like it's mm. there's certain rooms where if you just know you're not gonna get a gig if you if you say the wrong thing. And I, I find it really hard because obviously you mm. want you want gig and I'm not that controversial usually, but then I also don't wanna not say something just so I can get a gig at a certain room. So I don't no, know what your you wanna, motto yeah. is with that, but I've kind of just gone, all right, well, like if I have to cramp anything that I'm going to say because the particular room runner's not happy with it, I just go, okay, I won't 
I just I just won't perform there. Because I went to Louis C.K. the other night. And, dude, he's not performing in 50% of Melbourne comedy rooms with his set. And he's the, he's the best in the business, you know. Mm. And I, I find in like a – we're such a PC kind of culture now. And you're you 47 or 48 or something? Yeah, 48. Yeah, so you probably – you know it better than me. Like it's such a such a new thing just how how much it's grabbed the culture by the scruff of the neck and said, oh, you can't say this and you can say that. I'm, like, oh, I'm not interested in any of that. I just want to say if it's funny – and hopefully do it in a funny enough way that can make people laugh, even if they completely disagree. Yeah, I didn't know it was like it is either. And, I mean, it has to, oh. yeah, some people are very sensitive, others not sensitive enough. But I've, Melbourne, I noticed when I've gone to other states to do comedy that we're a bit uptight. Even though, yeah, I don't stick up for you know how people get parochial about what state they're from and stuff? I don't feel that for Melbourne because I'm like, I notice when I go other places that we're, we're a bit uptight and stiff and um, could be a bit looser about life. But I think that's just the Victorian way. And I used to hear it as a kid when they'd say, like, kick a Vic in the footy and that. South Australians and that hated us. New South Wales hated us. And I'm like, I wonder why. And I never knew why, and now I kind of do. I reckon, like, there's certain things about the way we live down here. Maybe it's because we don't get as much sun. <laughs> That's, maybe we're not as happy. Yeah, I wonder. Like, for, for so many months of the year, we're just, like, on the tram, in the rain, you know, while they're living. I Definitely know, noticeable. I, I feel like it's a... a different level even when you're have you been to london nah i I love living there man but when i first got there i was there i lived there for a year and a half in like 2016 Mm. 2017 and when i was there the first thing that struck me was just everyone in the city felt so grumpy i was yeah i'm probably a bit too over the top so i'll go down and smile at everyone even if they don't want a bar of me and Mm. i got there you're just trying to make eye contact with people and it just it didn't happen i guess i think it's a combination of um and it was only in the big city. Like you'd go out, you'd go up north or whatever into the smaller countries and all the, all the country sort of regions and you'd get that friendly smile back again. But I guess it's the same here. Like you go into a big city where there's four or five million people, it's sort of hard to like use all that energy that it takes to be happy on on everyone. But yeah, yeah it's weird as well. Oh, yeah. I think Australians always, we always pride ourselves on being such happy and friendly kind of people but I re- I've spoken to a few people who travel here and they're like nah like I kind of find Aussies cold sometimes and I, I see yeah yeah I've, I, I've heard people I've heard that yeah we're not we're not Paul Hogan that's for sure we're not nah. we're not Crocodile Dundee you know like we're, we're meant to be it's not that we're definitely not our image that's for sure we may have been but we're not now that's some good marketing mm. yeah dude like that was that was I like thought, a, during that pandemic I saw people acting like you know you saw it too like not like they weren't laid back. Yeah. Were they? I nah, I probably I wasn't either, but I was not laid back on I felt like I got to a point where I was like fuck like it's so ridiculous that it just annoyed me. like I'm happy to, for everyone to have an opinion on on whatever it is, but what annoyed me about the pandemic was like it was like if you had the wrong opinion, which I did. You can't say it. You're not supposed yeah, to say well, it. 
and I was not, not necessarily not necessarily the wrong opinion, the the not the not majority opinion or whatever. That's what I mean. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You. You. People. Um. I saw that, and people that are against say they're against bullying were bullying. So don't say you're against bullying if you're going to do it. Yeah. You know. I don't know if you. I don't know if you noticed this as well, but one thing I was relieved about was. Um, cause I felt like during the middle of the pandemic, there was so much tension between everyone and, and I put some stuff out there that got some heat and, and whatever, mm. but then I was like, oh, it's crazy how tense everyone is. But then you forget that so many of the people that disagreed with anything I said, you go and meet them face to face and they're lovely. Like it's, yeah, I think, I think people have a lot online, of tension in it. Yeah. Online personalities and in your face personalities are totally different things. I don't sure. care what anyone does. Do what you want, but don't hassle me about what I do. That's my, you can, yeah, just everyone can do what they want as long as they leave me alone. Seriously, seriously. Like, it's such a fair request. It's yeah, such don't, a fair request. don't try and ruin my life, you know, just let me, and I won't, I won't, I'll leave you alone too. And then yeah, we'll all yeah. be friends, you know, but yeah, you see it, you see bad sides of people when, when given a chance, some people, when given a chance to bully, they love it because they're sad. That's what you forget, isn't it? Like you forget that a lot of the time, my mum used to say that to me about others. Like if you're getting bullied at school, don't get angry at the person, feel sorry for them because they probably hate themselves. I was like, mum, that's pretty deep. I'm only six, <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but it's true. Like as you grew up here, you realise that I know yeah. I'm more of a prick when, I, when I'm not happy or when I'm stressed or upset a lot of the time. Mm. Yeah, you always want to take it out on somebody. And then you walk away going, shit, I, I feel guilty now. So a lot of people, I wonder if they do. Some of the people, I wonder if they would do feel guilty about what they did. But probably not because people put their head in the sand too. So whatever. But yeah, we all learn, man. And just you just got to stay happy in your own head and try not to affect others, I guess. That's I don't know. It's deep. It's, it's true. That was the thing that I like. I want to talk about it more than ever, but I want to talk about the pandemic more than ever now because everything mm. that everyone was telling me, remember when they were saying get vaccinated to stop the spread? And I was like, oh, we'll just wait and see if it does. And then it didn't. And now everyone's like, nah, but come on, maybe it might have. You don't know. I'm like, no, but mm. <laughs> what do you do? And it's interesting now when you've got like a couple of years of hindsight to go, okay, which countries didn't force it or which, which states didn't force it? And are they really were like, how's Sweden yes. going? The answer is like they're pretty fine. They're just as good as us. Yeah, I, yeah, I, man. I don't. I still. I don't know what happened. I, it, it was. It's the, the whole thing is like didn't happen now. I'm like, oh, okay. That was all for what? What was that all about? <laughs> like, because it's still here. Yeah. And they're not reporting deaths anymore. I don't know. I, I really don't know what happened. I'm confused still, but man, let's hope it never happens again. Seriously. How nice is it that this is the, um, I feel like these conversations now were the exception. I remember a year and a half ago, I was like, I just can't wait until these conversations are, it's not dominating every area of my life. I felt like mm -hmm. every conversation I had back then was like, it was just, it was just all COVID. I'm like, Oh, it's just so exhausting because we all see mm -hmm. differently. We all got different ideas. Um, so I'm relieved, well, I'm relieved. Yeah. Djokovic was probably the most famous person that was treated badly and he stuck to his guns 
and um, he's he's playing the Aussie Open this year, next year. So okay. he had to be able to play. There was no, there was no reason. They they just could not stop him. Like, it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous to have him back here. <laughs> yeah, that man. I I didn't know what the world was coming to. He's like the fittest person in the world, and he had like overweight, obese people telling him to look after the hospital system. It was the first time in my life I've had so many people with man boobs giving me health advice. That's what I I used to say about you. Like, you're the healthiest person I know. Like, you've looked after your immune system, and you got people that haven't telling you you're a bad person. Yeah, man. And people get, get angry. People get angry at me as well because I was like, look, I've, I don't know. If I get COVID, I'll be over it in a week. And people are like, oh, you don't know, Tice. I'm like, I'm pretty confident. And then I got it. And I was, dude, like day six, I, I went for a run. <laughs> and, was, <laughs> and my neighbor, like he's the best. Was it a good time? The, how, how, was it a good time? Or just? Oh, bro, just... no, it was actually, I, I say I went for a run. It was, I, I actually, honestly, day one, I was like, oh, no, I'm going to be that. I'm going to be that Mr. Mr. Didn't take the vaccine. And now I'm going to die because I got whacked pretty good with it. I was like, oh, shit, mm. here we go. I'm going to eat my words. I'm going to be front page of bloody The Age tomorrow. My wife got it too. And she was – she. I look like a little bitch compared to her. Like, I was so soft. She was <laughs> She was much better. But my like my, my neighbour, Mark, best bloke in the world, really lovely guy, he just lives on beer and fish and chips. Yeah. And um, he's, had, he's had 25 needles. And every time I see him, he's like, oh, I'm still recovering from COVID, mate. But last night he got out of his car. He had his – his Thursday night fish and chips and a big big slab of beer. He's like, "Yeah, dude, I'm still doing it tough." It's like, mate, whenever you whenever you want some help, I'm happy to <laughs> I'm happy to point you in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's your um? Do you ever eat junk food? Yeah, um, I think this is an OCD thing a little bit as well. I do, but if you ask if you ask Jesse, my wife, that question, she'd be like, "Nah, he's he's." Over the top. My weakness is chips, like hot chips. I actually love them. So if you've got a mm. if you've got a bag of hot chips in front of me, it's the exception, honestly. Like I probably need to relax a little bit more. One thing Jessie does, which is good, is she looks after her health and her fitness, and she eats well. But she'll eat chocolate, she'll have wine, she'll eat she, like she. I feel like she appreciates the finer things in life. Where I get a little bit, um, I get a bit methodical. I'm like, all right, yeah. And a lot of the time, it's just because I can't be bothered th- thinking about it. Like my my day to day diet, like. This is mostly natural, unprocessed stuff. What's the most, drink, what's the the most drinks you've ever had in a session? Oh, probably. Um, I'm laughing at this because I've I've got some mates who who listen to this show that um that were there on this night. It was it was 2015, and I wasn't going to drink. Hmm. And sorry, it was 2014 going into the new year, and we went out to a. a it was actually, dude, that you'll like this. It was um, Aaron Baddeley's parents' house. He was. Dad, I'm friends with, dude. I'm friends with his sister. And uh, we'll talk about Who's that. Who's Aaron Baddeley from? He's he's uh, Victoria. Huh. As far as That's I know, unless point. they moved down. But dude, what? I went out there because yeah. he's got two sisters, and um, uh, like one of my best mates is married to his sister. Okay. So where did you grow up? What town? I, I grew up in Gippsland in Trelgan. Ah, oh, yep, yep, yep. Oh. And then <laughs> moved to Perth when I was like eight for six years with my mum. And then came back. Been shots. Yeah, came back to Trelgan. Then I went to Ballarat, Melbourne. Now I'm in Point Lonsdale. I'm, they call me a state slut. I've been, <laughs> I've been all over the One shots. day I was bet. A funny story about Trelgan. Like, we were betting on sports, me and my brother. And, like, 
we there was nothing else to bet on and we're like oh Terrelgan tennis tournaments on and um like in, in one of those minor professional events in january was it? Wanna, i go hey a january tournament was it they have like their world championship for juniors there in january like oh, that no one. it wasn't that one it was like a next level like challenger level up and comers but not juniors and so there was odds Thanasi Kokonakis was playing a guy called Ward from um, England, Great Britain. And I said to me, brother, do you want to put a heap of money on and just go and watch it live? And like, he's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so we loaded up 500 bucks on this guy from England and we went down and we were the only ones there. Like no one was watching it except us. And Thanasi <laughs> couldn't work out. Thanasi Kokonakis couldn't work out why we were, these Aussie dudes on the side of the court were cheering for this English dude. <laughs> and we had, and, he won, and the English guy won, and we won like 500 bucks. And then we, and Thanasi walked off. He was only like 17, 18. And he walked behind the clubhouse and started crying. And we, <laughs> I, I felt, we felt so bad. But then we went to Terralgan Pokies and blew the oh, money. Dang, oh, dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, um, yeah, anyway, that's my Terralgan story. That's a good story. I've been mm. to, um, I've been to the, not that tournament that you're talking about, but in 2002, who was the big, um, he's the big black French player and he recently retired. Um, he looked um, like Muhammad Ali. Oh, uh, uh, Joe Wilfred Zonger. Dude, I was a ball, I think I was a ball boy. It might not have been for his match, actually, but in 2002, he played in the final in the January Junior World Championship. I don't know yeah, if got he won honor, it. It's got the honour board. We saw it when we were there. It's got Federer up there on the Terrelgan. They've got an honour board for who's won it. And, yeah, and yeah, Gail Monfils would have been down there the same time. Yeah. Yeah, Zonga. Biggest names. Yeah, man. I was, uh, I was either ball boy for... For his match, or I was ball boy, ball boy for the women's match that year. I can't can't remember, but it it, it blows my mind. Like that's Trogan's claim to fame, I think. Apart from Trogan footy team, some of the names that have mm. been through that town, like as you said, Federer, Hewitt played, Kokonakis is a gun. I bet Curios mm. has been down there. Um, yeah, the, it's the lead-in. It's the lead-in tournament for the Australian Open Juniors, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. I was down there the other day. I was I was going for a run. And I ran past the courts and. There was a heap of people. Um, it looked like there were some serious players around there. There must just—I think it's just the biggest tennis complex in. I don't know if it's in Victoria, but I can't mm. figure out why they Trogan. Yeah, I don't know. That's it's got the um, same surface as the Australian Open, so I don't know. They just pick regional. A lot of the reach Bendigo's got a centre like that. The big towns get them, I think, for the yeah for the kids squads for the country kids, I think. Yeah. Do you follow tennis closely? Not anymore. I, I'll know who. I'll sort of, I'll follow the majors. Like I'll watch the Aussie and the US and the French Open and Wimbledon. But that, I don't tune in much apart from that. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. I feel like no one's got their finger on the pulse of so many sports as what you do. Like it was, even blew my mind. I was talking to Shane the other day when we um, went to Rock Bank or Caroline Springs mm. and we, we rocked up to that gig and, and <laughs> no one came. And so we said, all right, we won't do this gig. We'll just go and get some Vietnamese firm. We sat at that table and it's like the old, we were saying it's the ultimate boys night. Sitting there 
eating a bowl hmm. of uh, uh, vegetable fur and talking running yeah. stats and footy stats and player heights and player possessions yeah. and yeah, yeah, that's that's information I can retain without trying that hard, but trying get me to remember like who started the the Baltic War or something, but like, I can't. <laughs> but if you tell if you tell me like. Some footballer runs sub four minute Ks. I'm like, yeah, I'll follow his career. That's so I, funny, man. I, I one of the first jokes I ever wrote was about how when I'm at a dinner party, like people will be talking about politics, and I'll be like, how do I, how do I get dead wrestlers from the 1980s into this conversation? You know? <laughs> <laughs> so that's my thing. Yeah. I'm just into sports since a kid, man. You know what it's like, and I'm obsessed. Sports good as well because it's more black and white. Like the the answer of like how many championships has Federer won? It's like there's an answer. Whereas how did the Baltic War start? I bet if it's like any other war, there's 37 different stories. Like these 12 people mm. said that this was the and you're like, oh, I'm not sure. Like there's so many details that go into this. It's like people are still asking me how World War One started. Like you know, just ask my wife. She's got a better answer <laughs> than me. Yeah, some people are into that too. They, that's their thing. The other day I was doing a gig with Luke Kidgel, right? And um, I was MC, so I had to learn. I just Googled him to see what I'd say when I bring him on. And like three articles down was an art, was something about him, his junior running in the Diamond Valley League. And so I just went straight to that. And I got to the gig and I go, hey, Luke, I heard like, I had a look at your times for running. They're pretty good, man. Like, and David Rose goes, like, after about 10 minutes, David Rose was there and he goes, I can't believe all you're talking about is his running times. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> it's probably refreshing to the guy. I go, dude, I don't need, like, I go, that's, I'm interested in that. I, I don't care about funny that much at the moment like that's i you know what i mean like <laughs> what time did he run or what times did he run uh, pretty good man like it was like it was a uh it was a 1500 time in about four minutes or something like that which is wow man what was yours for 15 well i, I think i'm about 10 years older than him but i ran 349 yeah so it was it wasn't as quick as yours because i told him yours i'm like tyson was good it wasn't as quick as yours, I know that, but it was like pretty good for fifteen hundred. It was, it was four minutes something. You know what I mean? Yeah. What gig Which was is, that? Where were you? Uh, Dave O'Neill's room in Fairfield. So. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That's just how I am. I go off on tangents, like we did at the comics stand the other night. Me, you, and um, Tom Seeger, because Tom <laughs> runs heaps too. Dude, he looks fit, man. Yeah, he still plays footy. Mental. Oh, does he? I know mm. he's um I know I know his podcast is um is like targeted to that whole world of footy, but I saw him the other night and he just because I, I did a gig with him up here in Ocean Grove maybe six months ago. And I like I was, was too busy thinking about his comedy and stuff. I wasn't thinking that much about I was doing the reverse of you with um Luke Kidgel. But he was telling me uh oh, oh and then when I saw him the other night, I was like, mate, he just he just looked trim. And when he was saying he he's gone yeah. for runs like three times a week of 15k like he he looks like he's ready to rock and roll over like a half marathon or something yeah yeah he, he still runs competitive oh not competitively but 
yeah, I see his times on Strava and that. I don't, yeah, I wish I could run more. I, My I body, do use Strava. I, huh? I used to. I don't need more, but I'd see Tom on there. I, I ran yesterday and I can't run now for three days. That's, <laughs> my my body just gets so sore after it. How far did you go? How far did you run? I only did 4K. But I, so I'm doing boxing. I do boxing on the heavy bag and or shadow boxing. And that's good. But I still like running. Like, I miss it. Yeah, so I just tried to run 4K. But it, my calves are so sore straight after it. I've got a oh, bad, yeah. must have a bad gates or whatever they call it you know what um are both of your calves sore or is it just one yeah yeah both so it's something to do with my feet or my you know pigeon toed or whatever but it, i'm flat yeah it yeah it's a problem I, I was having trouble with my left calf for like six months this year man where i would i'd be able to run three runs and then i would go out mm. and do like uh, my fourth and i'd get about three or four k in and I just feel it's like a super tight cramp or it was a strain. Yeah. And yeah, I that... couldn't get on top of it. I couldn't figure out what. But for me, it was um, I had to just start implementing like a little more resistance training. So, I've, dude, I've started – I actually haven't been consistent with it, but I bought a skipping rope. I've been doing like a lot of resistance training with my calves. And mm. then um, I'll just like get into it with a bit of self-massage. And, uh, yeah. man, I haven't, had, I haven't had any trouble for four months. And I'm only running yeah. like two or three days a week. But like this yeah. morning runs pretty pretty solid. Like I'm – not just jogging, do you know? And that, mm. that was a game changer. But it's hard to know with uh, with cars. Oh, so you reckon, because, you reckon skipping strengthened it or something? Or Well, yeah, for mine, it, I was doing a little bit of research and apparently when you strain a calf, it takes a while for the fibres to, to not only reconnect but then re-strengthen. And mm. I think for me, I was probably running on them a little too soon. Like they hadn't fully reconnected or redeveloped and yeah. I, was, I was just igniting it again. But I also I put on the shoes that I kept – straining them in this morning and dude like they were they were literally six months overdue like i shouldn't have been running in those shoes yeah. and um so I, that was the first thing i did i went out and got a new pair and it was just a laziness thing for me um what do you spend on um what do you spend on runners for good ones i'm a bit of a tight ass man i um <laughs> i'll spend i try and keep it as close to 100 because it's Ooh. like anything there's so um i went man, over i, I was yeah. like that as well i sit around 100 and last time with these new balance ones i went 220 and I reckon there was marginal difference, if anything. I don't know. In terms of support, is that what you're trying mm. to pay more for, or just the look of them? No, no, not the look at all. Just su yeah, support. Like they did feel good, but whether that's mental or not, you know. And I don't know. Like I probably won't go that again. Probably just get go back to like bargain basement hundred dollar ones. I reckon. It's like anything. It's like if you buy an iPhone 7 instead of an iPhone 8, you're going to save yourself 300 bucks. Yeah. And the shoe companies come out every year. They've got, um, you know, Nike Pegasus Fly 27, and then you can get Nike Pegasus Fly 26 for like 200 bucks cheaper. So, mm. And they were telling me last year that they're the best shoes ever invented. So I'm like, all right, I'll just take your word for what you said last year and <laughs> I'll try those. Yeah, they get in your head. Heap. Yeah. I, like, they get in your head. Like I do know... Yeah, I can't pick up a tennis racket from 1990. I know that. But yep. I can pick up one from 15 years ago and it's not – I almost prefer my old rackets than – like my brother had new ones and I and I, I had a hit with them and I'm like my old ones were there and I had a hit with them and I'm like I still like the old ones. And they were 15 years old. 
What has it so, got like a bit more weight behind it or something? Um, just I like the feel of it. I didn't. I don't know. I just preferred it. They were good. They were good enough. I don't know if they'd progressed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Just, uh, just have the aircon on for a little bit so it doesn't get hot. But <laughs> yeah, so yeah, you get they mate. Big companies know what they're doing with marketing to get in people's heads and convince you that it's better when it's probably the same. They just need a new model, don't they? Like, yeah, it's funny. It just seems to work so well, though. So they're probably not going to. Like, it's just, yeah, you're right. Mm. Oh, do you mean they need a new model in the sense of whatever they're selling, they need a new model or a new model in the yeah, sense yeah, of... Yeah, they, they have to bring out new stuff. It doesn't yeah, mean it's so. better. It just means they've stopped selling. Everyone's got the other stuff. We need to make people buy more stuff. So let's say the, let's say this is the new model, the new the Terminator. He there was a new. Remember the new model Terminator. It was always better. It was. It wasn't. It didn't win though in the end. So <laughs> that wasn't a good, <laughs> what, that wasn't a good what, analogy. What was it though? What do you ta- like? Actual Terminator movie. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like because you remember the first Terminator was Arnold Schwarzenegger and the next one was that cop. Have you seen them both? Yeah, I feel like Terminator Two was more popular in he, from memory. So, yeah, I never so got the into next Terminator Ter- One. The next robot was the cop made out of um, mercury kind of thing, and he melted and came back. So he was the next model up, but, like, in the end, he wasn't better. <laughs> yeah, I needed to know my Terminator history better to get the reference. The but, original um, one was Arnie, and he had bolts and that, but the other one didn't. Dude, such a anyway, good show. It wasn't a good such analogy, a... but it was an analogy. <laughs> it's weird with those movies as well. When you grow up, you just think of Terminator as uh, that's all I knew him for. I had no idea about who Arnold Schwarzenegger was or how he picked up that mm. part. Speaking of top athletes, dude, and being uh, being competitive, have you seen um, Pumping Iron? Yeah, what oh, a beast. Yeah, but I don't rate bodybuilders as athletes. I don't really never have. Anyone can pump weights, you know, and do steroids. I don't like. He's dedicated and committed and disciplined. And you can respect that, but I'll throw a tennis ball at him fast and then I'll judge if he's an athlete or not. <laughs> it's, a, it's not a bad point. I guess, I guess the, like the, the flip side of that argument is it's only some, like even if they're all doing the steroids and all doing mm. the workouts, there's only those with like that unique DNA which allows their body to express itself in such a nice way that makes it an yeah. athlete but that's that's funny man that's such a it's such a good point are there any sports that just aren't sports in your head is it even considered a sport i don't think it would be bodybuilding shane will hate me but golf shane's gonna hate this but my our friend shane <laughs> you know what i don't care about golf guys out there sorry <laughs> it's a weird technique it's been invented by someone that just it's just it makes no sense yeah golf isn't a sport there you go but don't you reckon but when you boil down any sport nothing really makes sense like if you look at footy it's such a the idea like when you know it you're like oh cool they're playing footy but when Mm. you boil it down it's 18 blokes on two teams running around trying to kick a ball through some sticks yeah yeah everything makes no sense but i'll tell you one thing (laughs) in golf you don't run do you say that again in golf, you do not oh, run. Yeah. There's nothing athletic about it. But would they, they would measure the? They'll measure your ability. Like golf would be measured in like 
obviously it's not fit because you've got Jack Nicholson playing. No, or not Jack Nicholson. What's that bloke's name? The big British. No, oh, he's the American. And he'd go out and he'd have like a bottle of bourbon the night before and have 15 cigarettes on a round of nine holes. John Daly. John Daly is what I'm trying yeah, to do. See, he, that's not an athlete. Like, um, no. you're good at golf, mate. You're good at a game, but you're not an athlete. It's like saying a snooker player is an athlete. No, he's not. Um, Bob Sled, the person that lies in it, you're not an athlete, mate. <laughs> I'll lie in that the... and do the same. Like, how's that an athlete? I mean, oh, they do run and jump in, though, don't they? So I'll give them that. But, man, what else? Oh, there's other ones. Have so you got one? Like... Uh, I'm trying to think. Like obviously, ten pin bowling and darts under under sort of the the rules that we've created. So essentially, they're games. Saying... They're, they're, they're games. They're not sports, yes. are they? Sure. You're not. You don't have to be fit to play darts. You can be, but you don't have to be. Sure. So we're we're saying it doesn't require high level fitness. Is that what you mean? Like an athlete is someone who has to be fit and coordinated mm. combined. It Golf... can't just be. One golf, if you had to be bite to the hole by a certain time, I'll make it a sport. You gotta, you got two minutes to get it the hole, get it in the hole. But if you're just gonna take 17 practice, you don't get practice swings in tennis, maybe on the serve, sort of, but not, not during the point, you know. Yeah, that's funny, man. That's interesting. I wish I hadn't a name dropped Aaron Baddeley now. I thought you were gonna like that one. Ah, I mean, no I respect just... to the. It's hard to get good at golf. That doesn't mean it's a sport. I'll beat every golfer. If we have like a triathlon of uh, decathlon of sports, I'll go up against John Daly today and be pretty confident I'll beat him at everything except <laughs> golf. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good He's definitely not an athlete. It's funny, man, as well. Shane, I, well, I guess you can't argue with the logic in the sense that, well, you don't have to be fit, but you just have to be coordinated and well, hmm. well practiced. I don't know. It's a, it's a funny – it's weird how we consider a sport. Another weird one for you is why do we have weight divisions in boxing, but why, don't, but why aren't there weight divisions in running? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Like, it's like age groups, isn't it? Like, Floyd Mayweather's meant to be the best boxer all the time, but he, he just gets knocked out if he fights a big dude. Doesn't it's he? so weird. That's it's so strange. I've got a mate. He's six foot four and just under a hundred kilos, mm. and he, he he's so passionate about this topic. He's like, it's such a joke that you can have weight divisions in boxing. He goes, it should just be if you want to box, okay, box. This guy's six let's foot see. ten. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's see who the toughest is. Let's see who the best boxer is in in as a human. Mm. Exactly. I mean, that's what I like about um, him. Probably never going to be a small person, just the way size works. But imagine if it was, though. Like that's a weird cool. thing. Have you seen? Have you heard of? I think they. I don't know if I'm saying it like they say it in Brazil. Uh, it's Hickson or Rickson Gracie. Hickson Grace. Yeah, they say H. No, they say R as H, don't they? Yeah. Something like yeah. that. I read his book a while ago. It's called Breathe or Breath or something. And some of the story, actually, that's a documentary you should watch, um, the Hicks yeah. and Gracie documentary. Have you seen that? No. no. It looks at some mixed martial arts fight back in, I think it was maybe the, the late 80s, where uh, he was going up against some blokes, just all fighting different forms of martial arts. And that's one where you don't oh, have yeah, to be the, the biggest guy to win. Where the UFC started and that, wasn't it? Sort of. Something like that. 
was weird. And, it was and like then he was in Japan. Oh, no, yeah, no. Hoist, Hoist Gracie won the first couple of UFCs where it was just like a tough man competition. And he fought sumo wrestlers and stuff and he was choking them out when he yeah, was that's small. It must have been the same event. He's a brother. They're brothers. And yeah, yeah. You have, yeah. I'm not sure if Hickson was in it, but it was his family. Yeah. Hoist Gracie definitely won it. The first one and the first, maybe the first two. And there was no what there was no rounds and there was no time. Yeah, so there was no time limit. You just fought to whoever won. Yeah. It's interesting. So so brutal. Man. But now it's they've now they've got weight divisions in the UFC, obviously. So Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It is a weird one though. Like it, it doesn't make it doesn't make that much sense. The weight divisions one when you boil it down. Like I think we just get used to whatever it is that we're watching that all of a sudden it becomes normal. Hey. Hmm. Yeah, it's whatever. Just change the rules, whatever. They yeah. change the rules of footy and stuff every time they want to. And yeah, it's just, I don't know. What's pure? What's the most pure sport? Like running. The old one. Running or fighting or something, surely. I think it's swimming, run, running. They're the most pure. They've stayed the same because maybe swimming because there's no equipment, is there? There's different strokes. That's what I don't like about swimming. <laughs> yeah, but the fastest one is the one that matters, and that's freestyle. Yeah, for it's sure. like I don't care about breaststroke. You're doing that because you're not good at freestyle. <laughs> it's like it's like hurdling in athletics. No, you know what it's like in athletics: the walk. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it's, it's like. like in yeah, he's a good runner. He's a good runner, but he's a really he's better at walking. It's like. It's like, um, Tyson, you didn't make the running team, but we reckon you can win gold in the walk, mate. Just walk as quick as you can and run, yeah, even though the walk <laughs> looks like half a run. I, I don't respect walkers in athletics, sorry. Nah, I'm not a huge you're gonna have mates that are You're going to have mates that are walkers calling and going, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yes, I do, mate. I do. <laughs> I saw a girl get disqualified in. Remember that in oh, Sydney? Was it Jane Saville? Yes, and I'm like, that is. She should have just ran. Yeah, they just, all they all should have been disqualified and done a real sport. Yeah, except that you except that you weren't good enough to make the Olympics in running and retire and get a job because <laughs> that's what happened to you because of that stupid sport. Where you gotta have one foot slightly touching the ground at certain, uh, mate. Get there as quick as you can. That's what it's about. How do you go with triathlon? With what? Triathlon. What do you mean? Like in the sense that with triathlon, right. you don't have to be. You don't have to be. You have to be very good at each league, but you don't oh. have to be world class to be the best in the world. Decathlon, even yeah. Um... So triathlon, the swim, bike, run, obviously. Kind of don't mind it because you're still pretty elite, aren't you? Like if you're bad at one of those, you're not winning. Um, decathlon was a bit different because, like, you can be terrible at one thing and still – like Bruce Jenner, when he won the gold, you know Bruce Jenner? Yeah. Caitlin Jenner. Um. <laughs> I don't think Bruce Jenner won an event, but he won the gold. Yeah. In that thing. Is that true? 
I don't know. I don't, I don't think know. Bruce Jenner won any of the 10 events, but he won the gold because his average came third or whatever, you know, in each one. That's so funny. I don't understand how so, the F1 works, to be honest. I've never really followed it. And I've never really followed it because it's one of those sports where I'm like, oh, so you just, yeah, yeah. You're not shit in 10 events. In fact, you're quite good. And if you average all those out, you've got the most points. But if we chuck you in any of those individual events, you're coming last. I remember being at the Athens Olympics with my dad and we were watching the men's 800 metres as a, as a part of the decathlon. And I think the winner ran like two minutes four, which is good if you're 12 and you're a runner. But, like, it's such a... <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. You're two minutes. What's that for? The eight. The eight. It might Man. have been a bit faster, but it wasn't. It might have been just under two, which is which is pretty good if you're like if you're just a club runner. But if you're if you're on a world stage mm. at the Olympics, and two o four is the bar, it's like surely I can get at least two o four good in every other sport and beat you guys. Exactly. Yeah, you could have. So you focused on one sport. You should have just um, done every sport average. And you'd make and you'd be like a Daily Thompson winner. Yeah, you'd win the you'd you'd win the decathlon just with your two oh four under twelves time. And then try and do the hurdles in do the hundred and ten hurdles in like thirteen seconds. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably people that do decathlon and that are probably smart. They're like, I'm not very good and I'm still mm. in the Olympics. <laughs> It's so true. It's funny, man. And runners are going to hate it. But it's the same in the in the distance running scene. It's like if you're not quite fast enough over three k or five k, see how you go. Can you run close to that pace with hurdles and do steeplechase? Steeplechase, yeah. It's the harness racing of humans. It, it, it is. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. It's the yeah. It's the indoor cricket of <laughs> of running. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like why why isn't a steeplechaser exactly that's weird. Like you're putting events in for people that aren't that good at the others. Yeah. Or if we want to take a leaf out of swimming's book, why can't we do like we'll do the sprints, but then we'll also do a backwards run and a sideways shuffle. They're like your breaststrokes yeah, and your backstrokes. Yeah, Nicole Stevenson, remember her? She was like backstroker. There, there's always yeah, Lenny Kraselberg at the Sydney Olympics was a ba- elite backstroker. I'm like, I translate to not that good at freestyle. <laughs> Lenny, Lenny Kraselberg. <laughs> it's so true. Um, oh, and in and in tennis equivalent is, yeah, he's the number one doubles player in the world. Yeah. Translation. Yeah, yeah. Can't play singles. <laughs> he's all right at it. You know, but he's not. Uh, can't, you, you can't argue with it. You can't argue with it. And you have your you have your real passionate sports fans who try and justify it. But in the end, the ultimate measure is all right. Put him at the other side of the net to Djokovic and see how he goes by himself. Yeah, is um, yeah. is the equivalent in comedy? He's a good MC. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, he's not. He's a good. He's all right comedian, but he's he's a really good MC. That that'd That's be like funny, man. That's funny. Yeah. I reckon that's the equivalent. You focus on that because you can get a job in that, but not if you're not elite at the other. That's so true. I'm going to think of more during today. Now all I'll be doing is thinking of the steeplechase equivalent of sports. 
that's what that's where my head's going today i've got stuff yeah. to do but i'll be occupied with that there's endless it's like playing oh, temping yeah. bowling with the bumpers on a little bit yeah that kind of <laughs> no one cares you can score 300 but it was a fluke it's like <laughs> you want to be a wiggle but you're on high five <laughs> or for or for all the young parents out there um Oh, what are they called? The beanies. You wouldn't have even heard of the beanies yet. That's a step up. No. aiming to get to the level of high five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that. It's that. Oh, it's like my kid's obsessed that. with them. Every time he turns the TV on, I smash it. Yeah. How old your kids now? Uh, one of them's uh, two and two months, Charlie. Yeah. And Ollie's like yep. six weeks, man. Like super fresh. He's <laughs> fresh. Is he coordinated, the two-year-old? Can you tell? Getting there, I think. I think he's mm. got elements to his personality that makes me think he's going to be a little athlete. Like he's he's a good yeah. little runner. Like he's pretty fast, and he can stay on his feet yeah. for ages. He's still he's the coordination thing. I'm not sure about just yet. He likes kicking a ball, but he can catch a big ball. But mm. if you throw a little ball at him, it's like the hand-eye coordination isn't quite there yet. So I'm just trying to build his mm. confidence with like the blow-up beach ball at the moment. <laughs> have you heard the Andre Agassi story about his dad? Have I told you that one? I would have, wouldn't I? Nah. No, nah, I don't think so. So 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 Andre Agassi's dad used to be like a cleaner at a at a, 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 a one of those ranch tennis club, what are they called? Country club thing, right? And America played a Davis Cup match there. U, US played a Davis Cup tennis match there, which is the countries against countries. It's a big deal at this club where Andre Agassi's dad worked. Anyway, Arthur Ashe was the captain of the American Davis Cup team, or the coach, but he's called it, they call it the captain. Anyway, Andre Agassi's dad goes up to Arthur Ashe and goes, hey, my son is going to win the Davis Cup, Wimbledon, US Open, all the Grand Slams one day. And um, Arthur Ashe goes to Andre Agassi's dad, oh, that's awesome. I'd love to meet him, bring him out bring him bring him here i'd love to meet the little kid you know and andre agassi's dad goes oh no nah, he's not born yet <laughs> <laughs> so so agassi's dad had decided before he even had a child that his kid what his kid was going to be that's insane right that's insane man i i feel i feel like it's so inspiring and i feel like that towards my boy with afl a little bit but I'm also mm. like, crap, I want to encourage it and guide it and help him develop. With it. But I also, I'm like, I don't know if I've got that Tiger Woods dad, Andre Agassi dad kind of factor to me. Where nah, like, don't. Right, this, is, this is where you nah, go. Don't, don't do it because there's that risk that they'll hate you, man. And you don't want that. You bet. And there's a lot of parents that don't. There's a lot of examples where you don't have to do that. If the kid loves it, he loves it. You know what I mean? That's what I'm Because Federer's parents, Federer's parents are really good and they're relaxed and about everything, and he turned out fine. Yeah, it's so. So true. you don't have to do that. It's a bloody good story, though, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, sometimes I think it would have been good to have a, per, a parent like that, but then you go, "But what if it went wrong?" Like seriously, you just hate your dad. Yeah, I mean, there was a coach called um, Gavin Hopper that. He's 
he decided saying his daughter was going to be a tennis player, but she she's got to hit this many balls by a certain age, all this robotic stuff. And then she just didn't grow, man. And she was too small. So it was waste. It was in the in it was a waste of time. Yeah, yeah, it's so <laughs> like, true. She grew five foot, you know, one or whatever, not big enough to compete with the big Russian girls and that. It's hard to so, argue with fate, isn't it? It's like my six foot four mate that I was telling you about before. Some people are just genetically better. Like, I'll go to the mm. gym with him and I'll be a hero and I'll try and get two reps of eighty on the bench press, and he mm. won't go to the gym for twelve months and he'll come in and just start repping eighties. Like it's nothing. I'm like, all right, it doesn't matter how much I train. You're you're more naturally suited to this sport than what I yeah, am. Yeah, but if Weird he goes, but if he goes for a run with you, no chance as well. That's why we always finish those gym sessions with a run. <laughs> let him know. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah. Oh, anyway, man. We um, I'll let you go in a minute. Are you um, are you gigging tonight? Yeah, yeah. I've got to go to Lilydale. Oh, what gigs that? Oh. What, no, no, I was thinking um, I saw an ad for you at the new Collingwood room next week or something. Oh, like yeah. Yeah, next week. I think I've got that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, tonight, Lilydale. Tomorrow I'm up near the snow. And then I'm back in Gippsland. Gippsland on um, Saturday. So I'm all over. Where in Gippsland what are you? What are you doing? You got any gigs in the next few nights? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be in Melbourne tonight and tomorrow night. I'll try and do... Um, oh, yeah. Actually, I got to Altham tonight, which is a bit of a hike from here. Ah, oh, yeah, I did that that run. I've done that. That's yeah, it's nice there. Go on. Are you on late or early? yeah, yeah? Late. I've made that mistake of going up early. Yeah, I went. I did that. Go on early. Yeah, go on late if you can, because then then everyone's had dinner and stuff after that. Yeah, I just I'm just going to try and treat it as a um tonight. I've just got a whole heap of new stuff that I'm going to chuck out mm. there. It's one of those kind of rooms where. I'm, I'm yeah. super comfortable just chucking out whatever. Yeah, my friend then, Sinead uh, runs. Sinead yeah, she's a gun. I love room. Sinead, man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right, that room. I'll do. I'll, I'll see. I'm up a bit late, so I might not make it, but I might stop by Dirty Secrets on the way and see if I can get there as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why not? Bang out a couple. That's, that's what I think I'm there's one do, down yeah. your way tonight. Tracy's doing one down your way. I don't oh, know it where, might be though, tomorrow man. at the brewery, is it? Or is it tonight? No. I think it's tonight. Maybe one of Evan's ones. I don't know. Maybe Ocean Grove. I don't know, actually. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Uh, yeah, Ocean Grove's just around the corner. Um, how'd you go mm. in Torquay the other night? Dude, I can't. I rocked up a day early. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, where is he? Then, uh, it was all right. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was It was good. Like, it, 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 the room was echoey and that. But it was, yeah, it was a good gig. It went well. Yeah, you know what we're like? Everything has to be perfect. But... The crowd don't know that stuff. They had fun. Yeah, it was a good. It was man. good. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was um, fun. Yeah, good chat, man. Um, oh, yo. I like oh. that. I'll be thinking. I'll be thinking about other examples. Yeah, message him through to me. Steeple chase. Oh, dude, I'm going to have some right. lunch, bro. Yeah, mate. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Make sure you tell everyone I was. I'd been working out. I'm not usually that sweaty. Oh, what what workout did you say you did? What did you do before? Boxing. Oh, nice, man. Mm. Yeah, sweet. All good. Oh, thanks for coming on. That was good to talk to you.